helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. just about anyone and they have things that they wish for. How many of us have asked ourselves what we would do if we won the lottery? Do you have plans for a retirement doing the things you want? Do you wish for your children or grandchildren to grow up, go to college, get married and have children of their own? Most of us would think of these as good things to wish for. What could possibly go wrong if they came true? Well, there's a law of unintended consequences. The expectation that there will be consequences to our actions that we neither intend nor anticipate. This often comes from a lack of time and effort answering a simple question. Then what? We rarely consider the second and third order consequences of our decisions. This often leads people, especially those in politics and policy, to make rash decisions to deal with the consequences of their last decisions. These same people spend even less time and effort considering the consequences of these new decisions to face the consequences of their previous decisions, which brings us to the adage of today's episode. Be careful what you wish for. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free, and I'm so glad you could join me. You know, we're trying to restore the Constitution to we the people so that we have the tools that we need to defend and assert our rights. That's what our first Chief Justice uh, John Jay told us, why we should read and study the Constitution. And I've said for decades, you know, we, it it seems like we make these rash decisions with, well, what some people would say, we could never anticipate that, but it was blatantly obvious that, that A would lead to B would lead to C. But then we seem to make even worse decisions to fix the decisions that made the problem in the first place. And well, some of the, the, the worst decision-making comes out of, well, yeah, politicians and, and policy experts. I was listening to a video from Thomas Sowell. I love Thomas Sowell. I love the way his mind works, and I love the way he articulates things. Listen to this clip um, during a, an interview. If the social justice, those backing the social justice agenda could have everything they wanted, what would the country look like? Uh, we'd be killing each other. All right. Can you give me intermediate steps? <laughs> In other words, what is the well, social well, justice agenda? What do they want? They, they want everybody to have, have, have equal, equal outcomes, or as close as they can get to it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you, you, don't have, uh, you don't have the preconditions for that. Uh, even in the same family, I, one of the examples I, I use in the book is uh, uh, among, in, uh, among five child families, right. uh, the national merit finalist is the firstborn just over half the time. That is, more often than the other four siblings combined. Right. The, the fifthborn is 6% of the time. And so... It was even where, where you have almost ideal conditions. They're born to the same parents, raised under the same roof, and they are not the same. Because all kinds of things matter, including birth order. The, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you may be sitting to yourself saying, oh, yeah, 
social justice, equal outcomes. That's a, that's a laudable thing. We should, we should want for that. We should strive for that. But not taking that second and third order look and saying, well, wait a second. If you take people, if you can take five children raised by the same parents under the same house, under the same, you know, in the same house, and they have such drastically different outcomes, then what makes you think that, A, you could actually get people to equal outcomes? And then, then obviously, the next question is, well, how would you do that? Because there's only two ways to take five children, five siblings, raised in the same environment, raised by the same parents, and give them exactly the same output outcomes. You could try to take the the lowest ranking and move them up. Well, how do we do that? Well, by investing more time, more effort, more uh, more money into their their education, into their opportunities to give them greater opportunities to make up for the fact that, well, they don't naturally have these skills. But the only way to do that is to take it from the other four children. Of course, and the other way is to simply drag everybody down to the lowest common denominator. In other words, let's take all the advantage that the people who have, have worked and strived and for whatever reason are doing better, let's take that away from them so that they're just as poor and miserable as everybody else. And that that seems to be the way most people are are looking to work towards this is we are rather than elevating people, which is again un, the only way you could elevate people is by being unfair, by giving people extra advantages. Like uh, um, affirmative action is an example of saying in the past they have had a more difficult time, so we are going to give them additional advantages, even though the conditions today don't suppress them the way it did 50 years ago. We are still going to give them the advantage because of that historic issue. But the only way to give them the advantage is to put other people at disadvantage. Or the most common way that the, the collectivists tend to do that, and that is to simply tax people who do well for the crime, for the, the civil issue of actually doing well of working hard or investing or in other ways, for whatever reason, coming up with a better outcome, we're going to punish them for doing good, which of course disincentivizes people from doing good. It's a, it, you know, we, we don't think of the second and third order consequences and those consequences are extremely important if we are going to understand what our, if we're going to have a clue of what our world is going to look like under these situations. I mean, consider this. Every 10 years, we have a census. We have an enumeration of the people. And its constitutional purpose is to know how many people are in each state so that representation and direct taxes can be apportioned properly. That is its sole purpose. It has since morphed into this, this um, demographic manipulative process where they want to... <laughs> basically give everybody, uh, examine their lives in the most minutest detail. Why? So that they can, well, manipulate those people. I mean, imagine a world where your government issue ID includes not only your name, a, a picture of your face, uh, your height, your weight, your, your eye and hair color, but um, 
you know, what socioeconomic demographic you're in, your, 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 not just your race, your sex, your preferred sexual orientation, uh, how far you went in school, uh, what grades you got, uh, maybe what kind of salary, what salary bracket you're in, all so that people will know how to treat you because we need that information to make sure you are not advantage over somebody else. And if and then, you know, it's funny, people always focus on the people who are who are richer than I am will pay for me, and um, never forgetting that there will always be people below you that you have to pay for. We never think along those lines. We never think of the consequences of those types of decisions. Well, think back to those of us who are old enough. Think back to 2002. Right? The America had just been attacked by terrorists. Everybody was afraid that we were going to get attacked again. And as um, Benjamin Franklin warned, those who would give up essential liberties for the promise of temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Um, we never thought of the second and third order consequences when we asked government to protect us. See, take a look at the Constitution of the United States. The federal government's not there to protect the people. It is there to protect the states against invasion and, and, and insurrection, but it's not about protecting the people. But we said, we have to empower these. We have to violate, we have to throw the Constitution out and grant all these special powers to the federal government in order to keep us safe. In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. This is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. And liberty did die to thunderous applause. We watched the, the, the federal government take over, overthrow the Constitution, uh, create a, a police state, and most Americans cheered. Uh, there, there was a Professor Robert uh, Galatly. He authored a book called Backing Hitler, and he said... Uh, I found a, I had found a shocking fact. It wasn't the secret police who were doing the wide-scale surveillance and hiding on every street corner. It was the ordinary German people who were informing on their neighbors. Now, keep that in mind as I, as I ask you a couple questions. Are you among the 41% of Americans who regularly attend church or some other religious service? Do you believe that the economy is about to collapse? And that, the government will still declare martial law. Do you display an unusual number of political or, or, and or ideological bumper stickers on your car? Are you among the 44% of Americans who live in a household with a gun? If so, the, you, you know, do you consider that the government may be plotting to confiscate your arms? See, if you answered yes to any of those questions, well, according to the government, you may be an an anti-government extremist, i.e. a domestic terrorist. Therefore, you should be flagged for heightened security and preemptive intervention. Think about that for a moment. 
Now meld those two facts together. The fact that the government may think you're a domestic terrorist because, well, you believe in, you, you go to church, uh, that the economy's in bad state, uh, position, that you have an opinion about politics or ideology, and that you want firearms to defend yourself, and you're, you're afraid the government may take them away. With that fact about the, the Nazi secret police, and you end up with a very scary situation. We don't need the government to turn in the American people who believe in such things. We are watching as the American people are doing this to ourselves. See, this was the unintended consequence of see something, say something. Don't get me wrong. I believe if you see something nefarious, truly nefarious, then it's it's incumbent to say something about it. If I'm driving down the road and I see somebody that appears to be driving intoxicated, I call the police because they are a danger to others. However, that mentality of see something, say something has led us to the point where um, we are turning in our fellow neighbors because they disagree with us. Don't think this is happening. Look at what's been going on in, in Colorado and Washington State, where people who disagree with a, a sexual agenda are not allowed to simply disagree and go about their lives. They must be punished. They must be uh, uh, civilly and criminally punished for disagreeing. Uh, yes, I'm talking about uh, the, you know, the bakers, the florists, the photographers, who are not allowed by the state law to decline to participate in something they find offensive. We see it in the, the schools, such as in California, where um, the, the, the legislature passed a law that said schools cannot inform parents. You can't have a policy that mandates the informing of a parent if a child claims they want to change their gender. You're not allowed to disagree with them. Same thing with, with abortion. If, if you live in a state that uh, has restrictions on abortion, states like New York and Illinois and California and others, well, they're more than happy to bring you in and, and, and have it done. And they keep fighting to tell other states how to live their lives. This leads to a lot of very bad situations. Because we stack on top of that this push for, quote-unquote, red flag laws. The idea is that merely on the, the advice of an individual without any information about the background, without any actual probable cause, other than someone making a claim, you can be denied your rights. No, I'm not simply talking about your Second Amendment rights, although they're part of it. You, you're denied your Fourth Amendment rights, your Fifth Amendment rights, your Fourteenth Amendment rights, because in an attempt to keep people safe, when we stop to think about the other side of the fence. The, the, the consequences of such situations. And those consequences, ladies and gentlemen, are quite severe. No, it may not be the FBI or the ATF kicking down your door. It may just be the fact that you silence yourself. You don't participate or, or you refuse to do something because you're afraid you're going to, be, to have your, your social media account canceled or because you're afraid you're going to end up on somebody's list, some government list somewhere. And ladies and gentlemen, that's only the second order consequences. What happens when we start looking at the third? When not simply the consequences of the direct action, like the Patriot Program or red flag laws, 
and what it has on the direct people, what does it do to the people who are impacted by that second order? Meaning you have households where um, the, they, they become dependent on government to protect them from everything, where they expect government to provide for them, even well, things like a living, food, shelter, health care. When even the, the fact that I feel unsafe in the presence of someone is sufficient for, for me to, to have the government strip them of their rights. We are entering those third order consequences, ladies and gentlemen. And I have some examples that I wish to show you. But first, I, I do have to take a break. I do hope, though, that you'll head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Take a look at what we're doing over there. Uh, I've, I've added some new features, some new functions. Of course, you have the boot camp. I am asking you to let me know, though. I'm con I'm considering adding a new email service. You know, I'm 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 collecting news items on the site. Would you like a daily email with a digest of the news items that I've picked up over the previous day? Or or is there something else you like to see on the website? Go there, ask a question, and just let me know. If I can, uh, I'll do it. Now, there are a lot of things we're dealing with the consequences. We have, there's a consequence, by the way, to COVID, but there's also been a consequence to the fake vaccines. See, the, the shedding of the spike protein from COVID is real, and, and, and it has long-term consequences. Now, not just whether you are vaccinated, even if you are not vaccinated, these, these spike proteins are inflammatory and toxic. Now, the wellness company has come up with a solution they have their spike support. It includes products that are designed to help your body deal and break down these spike proteins and deal with them. They're backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off of wellness company products and off your first month of membership if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, Go to the wellness company. You can find out more about it at americaoutloud.shop. But if you go there, look at their products, look at their membership. And if you if you purchase some, when you put them in your cart, make sure you use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, well, you get 25% off all the products and 25% off your first month of membership. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. And today, I'm warning you to be careful what you wish for because well, very often they'll come back and bite you quite hard on the backside. I, 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 I talked in the first segment about um, the, the social justice and this, this myth that we can make everybody equal, we can get equity, everybody can get the same outcome. There's only one way to do that, and that is to, well, destroy some people and unfairly benefit others. I also talked about uh, how our our fear of a terrorist attack after 9-11 has let, turned us in many cases into a nation of snitches. But see, there's more. You start looking at this and we start. I start seeing this all sorts of places. For example, I remember growing up in the 70s and uh, uh, I was, a, I remember I was a small child. I've heard this story so many times. Uh, I was, my mother took me to the pediatrician. Now we lived in New York City at the time, but my grandparents had a place in the country up north, upstate, and we went there every weekend. And, you know, I, I, my mother took me to the doctor because I had picked something up. I don't remember what it was, but the doctor jokingly said, that's what you get for taking them, taking them to air he cannot see. You see, in New York City, we had smog. Because then again, nothing like the smog they had in Los Angeles, but you had smog. You could literally see the air. And it be it was it was kind of a of a running joke. Now we decided, hey, we need to do something about this in the 1970s. And uh, I believe it was President Nixon. So we can't blame the Democrats for this. It was Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency, a complete violation of the Constitution of the United States, because environmental protection is not a power delegated to the United States. The law that created it, unconstitutional. In fact, making it void. But yet here we have this EPA, which has has taken up billions of dollars, probably closer to trillions at this point, and used it to, well, basically deprive Americans of their rights from an illegal, unconstitutional agency. Well, here's another little twist that came around. And um, recently, the EPA gave $13 million in a grant to... Um, a group called the Deep South Center for Environmental Justice. 
yeah, this is what this is one of those eco activist groups. Um, they've 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 partnered with the Bloomberg philanthropies in an attempt to well destroy industries because they you know they're, 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 they're again eco activism. This all based on this myth, probably on you know climate change and whatnot. So you, the American pack taxpayer, are funding a a an attempt to basically destroy our 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 society, not just our economy, our society. So you get rid of of oil and gas. You don't just get rid of the gas powered car or lawnmower. You don't get rid of the gas cooktop. You get rid of most plastics. Oh, by the way, when was the last time you went to the doctor's office? They put on the gloves. Yeah, those are those. those I believe come, most of those come from petrochemicals. And maybe maybe you know you get a, a a blood draw, or they give you a shot, or you get some IV medication. Think of all the plastics that now disappear. Think of all the 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 objects that were sterilized and then put in those plastics to keep them sterile, which now doesn't exist anymore. This is an attempt to destroy. Uh, it's not the intent to destroy the society, but it becomes a, the second order consequence of if we get rid of petrochemicals, you don't simply get rid of the the most obvious one. You get rid of think of all the plastic in the 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 computer or the the i the, the smartphone that you're using to listen to this, or or in the television that you want, or in just look through your house. And ask yourself, what would life be like if most of those plastics were gone because we destroyed all the petrochemicals? We decided we're not going to use them anymore. See, be careful what you wish for. We get rid of oil and gas. We get more, rid of more than, than just uh, gas-powered vehicles. All right, let's look at another example. The, the news coming out of many of our major cities should be pretty concerning. Um, you see businesses leaving because they can't afford the losses from all the theft. And right there leading the pack is, well, San Francisco. Well, uh, uh, apparently the city's district attorney met with um, some residents to discuss dealing with the, the problems, you know, crime, homelessness, drugs. And, um, well, the, the, the residents weren't very happy. What was interesting is District Attorney uh, Brooke Jenkins, uh, she said, yeah, you've got to write that there are concerns out there. She said, uh, she told residents, quote, right now we have a city that's been lacking in accountability. Okay, that, that, sounds, that sounds quite true. Um, she went on to say, we have a culture, not just in San Francisco, but quite frankly around the country, that people believe you can walk into a store, take what you want and walk out, while the rest of us are stand there waiting to pay. I wouldn't say it was all across the country, but I would say it, there are bits and pieces around the country where this is, uh, uh, this is happening. But what I don't, you know, and of course, Ms. Ms. Brooks, she, uh, she blames the court. She says the judges that, uh, uh, she says, you know, you know, I say, you want to know why it still looks crazy out there, despite the fact that police have arrested hundreds of drug dealers in the, la in the last year plus? We have, failed, we have filed 200 motions to keep drug dealers in jail who are repeat offenders, are egregious offenders, and 17 have been granted. She claims the biggest barrier to public safety is the courts. Now, I'm not an expert on, on California law, but it seems to me California, especially San Francisco, 
LA and some of those in Sacramento have, uh, they've been putting in policies to not try and convict certain offenses. Then again, New York, where I, where I used to live and thankfully got out of, they have a whole set of rules to deal with um, you know, bail and when people are allowed out on the streets, even after committing, even after being arrested for serious crimes. See, what I don't, while I agree that um, San Francisco, they have a lot of, I mean, let's face it, any city where people can download an app to find out where the human poop and, and use drug needles are found so you can avoid them has a problem. But the problem, and, and, and I, I agree that the courts, they may be part of the problem because rather than following the actual law of the, they, they may be following the policies that Californians have voted people to put in place. If you're deciding that you are, you know, if you pass a law that says um, you cannot be convicted of theft uh, of a value under $750, all you've done is tell people, this is how much you steal this much and no more. You've established a criteria that says, this is what we're going to punish. People are going to do that. The the crime in in San Francisco may be may continue, but it's because of not simply the courts, but the policies that have been put in put in place by these cities and these states. It is the it may be the unintended consequence, but it is the quite obvious consequence. If you do not punish people for crimes, then the you know, then those laws making those things crimes mean absolutely nothing. I I see this all the time. I get comments on. Uh, all my on my social media all the time about well, but if it's illegal, laws don't do anything. Laws are ideas; they're ink on paper. It's the enforcement of the law that changes human behavior. If we made it illegal to breathe, would you stop breathing? Uh, unless and until law enforcement starts arresting you and punishing you for breathing, even then you're not going to stop breathing because, well, you need to breathe to live. Well, if I tell you that it's illegal to cross our border except at a, at a designated checkpoint, but you never enforce it, that law is absolutely meaningless. See, this is the consequence of these decisions, of these... Um, these these policies. Just look at New York. New York State is and uh, New York City and New York State are a prime example. They when when it was the, when policymakers were saying we have these laws, we need to enforce a law. When Trump was saying build the wall, if it's illegal to cross there, let except at a checkpoint, let's make it harder for someone to cross other than at a checkpoint. And of course, in reaction, many cities and states said, oh no, we will be, we'll be sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. We won't cooperate with um, immigration and customs enforcement. If we catch somebody who is here illegally, uh, we won't, we want to notify ICE. If ICE comes, we won't turn them over to ICE. We will shelter people who are here illegally. And of course, this went on absolutely fine for many, many years, right? Because there was no consequence to those states and those cities. 
And then Governor Abbott had, an, had a brilliant political idea. If they want them, if they want to be sanctuary cities, here, sanctuary these people. And of course, the cities and the states went absolutely bananas. How dare you actually send us Ill illegal immigrants? Anybody remember Martha's Vineyard, right? Oh, it's, it's a, you know, we're a sanctuary. They got what, 20, 30 aliens? And they shipped them out because they couldn't handle it? Think about it. Does it really take that much space to, to house 30 people? It's the not-in-my-backyard syndrome. Now, New York City has been dealing with it. I love New York City. We've had 10,000 migrants show up. Yeah, well, what about El Paso and, and Eagle Pass and, and, and others that have had, they get 10,000 a month, 10,000, sometimes, I don't know, maybe uh, every couple of weeks. See, now they're dealing with the consequence of their decision. And oh, by the way, for everybody that talks about um you know, well, they're being shipped there by these governors. Actually, no. Uh, from what I understand, most of the migrants, they're asked, where do you want to go? And they say, you know, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, wherever. The migrants, the, the aliens are choosing these cities because they know they're going to get goodies and they're not going to be prosecuted for the crimes they have committed. Not the, feder not the, the federal immigration crimes, at least. So here we have three more examples where... The unintended consequence, our, our unwillingness to um, do for ourselves and to ask others, leads is now biting us squarely in the backside. Whether it's the, the EPA saying, well, you know, we want, we want clean stuff, but uh, we can't do it ourselves. We need the federal government to come in and do it and steal all of our money to spend now for political uh, uh, movements. That's the unintended consequence of the, the EPA. And the, the, you know, the cities that are dealing with rampant crime and running businesses and therefore jobs out of their city because of the rampant crime are the consequences of the policies made by the, rep made by the, the representatives of the people. Even you know, New York, even the, the city and state of New York, New, you know, New York Governor Hochul um, is basically telling these, these would-be asylum seekers to go somewhere else. Because now she's dealing with the unintended consequence of her decision to become a sanctuary state. But remember, the EPA the, uh, was created by uh, representatives of the people. The, the people in these blue cities and states that are, are not pro uh, prosecuting, they pass these laws and they say, we're not actually going to enforce the law. They were all created by legislative bodies representing the people of the city and the state. That's right. The people who hired Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul, they hired the people that put these policies in place, and now they're suffering the consequences. They wished that things would be better. They simply wished that we can hand the government, uh, let them create an illegal agency, and magically all of our pollution issues will go away. We wished that, listen, if we just stop prosecuting crime, it'll stop. They wished that if we stopped enforcing our immigration laws, then the illegal aliens would leave us alone. They wished for all of these things. Not the policymakers. The people wished for these things. And they got put into place. 
and now they're suffering the consequences. It's why I say we need to be careful what we wish for, because sometimes what we wish for turns out to have a very painful, painful consequence. Now, I have some more examples I want to get to, but I need to take a break before I go. I do hope, though, that just like I do, you'll stop by AmericaOutloud.news every day for news and information. See, I do it. I go through six, 700 headlines, many of them coming from AmericaOutloud.news, and I use them to put this radio program together, to put on my website, to post on social media. There's a lot of information out there, but information isn't power until you do something with it. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if it, you don't, if it doesn't make you do something, it has absolutely no power, which is why I encourage all of you to do your part, to find the, the stories that move you, the, the podcasts that inflame you, the videos that show just how things are going, and share them. Expose other people to these ideas, because if we don't, well, who will? And it's by showing the consequences of these bad decisions, of giving up our rights and our, uh, uh, our freedom. It's by showing the consequences of that that we all help to secure the blessings of liberty. Changing the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Everyday Americans to rejoin the Constitution study today. I'm warning you to be careful of what you wish for. There are a lot of people that wish for a free lunch, that, that somehow we can provide everything we need for without costing anybody anything. Milton Friedman had a, a, an excellent uh, a talk where he, he discussed the specifics. The belief that somehow or other government can spend money 
at nobody's expense. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of a wonderful description of government that was made by a French economist by the name of Frederick Bastiat about 150 years ago. He said, government is that fiction whereby everybody believes that he can live at the expense of everybody else. And that is the free lunch myth. The myth that somehow or other, government can provide goods and services, can spend money at nobody's expense. Did the people of the United States have lived by this myth for decades? The belief that, well, we can simply spend money and, and, and someone else will pay for it. It doesn't actually cost me anything. It's a lie. It's a myth. And that myth has led to $33 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars in national debt. And again, it is caused by our wishful thinking and our lack of consideration of consequences. For example, the, the, in the first 215 years of, the, of this nation, of the United States, it took 215 years to borrow $7 trillion. 215 years. From March of 2020 to June of 2022, the United States has borrowed an additional $7 trillion. What's creating all of this? We keep expanding welfare, right? Because, oh, there are people that are poor. We should just hand them money. Well, not only does that cause debt because we don't have the money to hand them, but it also encourages fraud. We have record levels of fraud in the welfare system. Just from the, the scamdemic, there's, there's at least $100 billion of fraud in the welfare system. And they believe it could be as high as $350 to $400 billion. And that is just since the COVID scam. Then, of course, we create all sorts of slush funds, right? So we just, you know, block grants. Here's money. We'll just throw it at states and local governments. But again, that's just borrowing money we don't have. We saw that the, the, the teachers union held schools hostage in order to get their piece of the pie. And all these supposed business support programs, again, they were also led to a lot of fraud and um, money, borrowing money we don't have. By the way, to pay for things the federal government's not authorized to do. But Paul, what do you, we're not going to run out of money. All the federal government has to do is print money. They can simply make, they can make money. They can just make money out of thin air, right? Well, again, listen to Milton Freeman on that subject. Well, again, with respect to money, can you print money at no cost? It's very cheap to turn out those pieces of paper. But does that get society something for nothing? Not at all. It's simply a different form of taxation. If you print money, people have more money to spend. If they spend, if they spend more money on the same amount of goods, prices go up. And in effect, everybody is paying a tax through inflation. Once again, it's only a form of taxation. Living by the, the myth that someone else will pay for whatever program I receive, we always forget that someone else has been told that we will pay for the program they receive. 
And that leads to a lot of the inflation. So when you go to the grocery store or you go to buy gas and you see a lot of the inflation, and you may rightfully point at the government, but remember, they were instituting policies many of us supported. Many Americans asked for these programs that have led us into this debt. But again, it's not just government actors. You know, there, there was an interesting uh, thing, was it uh, a Surgeon General has declared a national youth mental health crisis. They're seeing unlevel, unprecedented levels of, of depression, loneliness, and anxiety. And a lot of it lays squarely in the lap of social media, at least according to many top researchers. Now, what was interesting is um, parents, well, they look to legislators to try to protect them, protect their children for them. And there were a lot of there have been a lot of issues about around that. A lot of people talk about you know, free speech and, and all of that, forgetting that you know what, parents, it's your job, your job, to protect your children. So maybe you got them that that smartphone. And you said, "Well, I've put uh, parental control software on there." <clears throat> that software has limitations. They can't monitor apps like like uh, Snapshot or or TikTok. They can't read direct messages on Instagrams and others. But Paul, they have to have their smartphone. Why? Well, everyone else has it. Oh, so if everyone else. Jumped off a cliff. You expect your children to do it as well? See, this is the problem of turning over parenting to somebody else. Listen, my daughter did not get a cell phone. Well, first of all, my daughter was not allowed on the internet until I had put up sufficient content filters. Now, I had an advantage. I spent 30 years in IT. I was able to build content filters that would protect everyone in the house and my daughter was not allowed on the internet until such time as that was in place. And it actually created some very funny situations when um, content was blocked because it misunderstood uh, a page. But that was important. My daughter did not get a cell phone until uh, she was old enough to really need that. And then she got a flip phone. She did not get a phone, a smartphone with all the apps and goodies on it because it's not safe. It's not the government's job to keep your children safe. It's yours. So now when we see uh, uh, places like Arkansas that, uh, uh, that passed a law regarding social media, and by the way, I don't have so much a problem with the law uh, as I understand it. Now, maybe I'm, I've got it wrong, but as I understand it, it, it's about putting parents in charge of social media, giving parents the tools they need to uh, control their children's social media access. Then again, we have a district court judge that said, no, no, you can't do that. Free speech means social people on social media have the right to put it in front of your child. But you see, that's what happens when we put the question of, of raising our child in the hand of the government. Government actors decide. And as much as they may think so, Government actors don't have your specific child's best interest at heart. You know, it was interesting uh, because I was reading an article that said, no, big tech doesn't have a right to speak to your kids without their parents' consent, which is true. But then again, your children don't have a right to access the cesspool 
that is the internet. And it's, it's, it is a catch-22, right? The internet is full of some really wonderful, awesome things. The, the vast sum of human knowledge is available there. But like anything else, there's also the, the evil side. And until our children are ready to understand the difference and deal with that, why are we putting this in front of our children? Because the long-term consequences, whether it be be depression or loneliness or anxiety or self-harm or, se- or, or sexual issues or suicide, it's not because social media put that stuff in front of them. It's because the parents let them have access to social media before the children were ready to deal with it. At least that's my opinion. And, and sometimes the consequences are even more far-reaching than uh, than you would think. Our dependence on these apps. I, I, I laughed. I was talking to somebody the other day. You know, it's like you were to hand a, a millennial a map and say, figure out how to get somewhere. They'd be lost. Now, don't get me wrong. I love GPS. I have GPS on my phone, and I use it all the time. But when GPS controls you rather than you controlling it, you've got a problem. You see, I found out about this. There's a story in Epoch Times about a North Carolina family that is suing Google. Why are they suing Google? Well, the husband and father of this family uh, was a medical device salesman. Hey, I was I spent a lot of time on the road as a systems engineer, and uh, you know I found in September of last year he drove his car into the Snow Creek in Hickory because he was following Google Maps. See, he was driving home to in North Carolina and um, Google Maps directed him to cross a bridge that had collapsed. Now, they're suing Google Maps because, Google and, and their maps because the, the bridge had collapsed nine years ago, and, and it had never been repaired, and it was never updated, apparently, in Maps. But, excuse me, it wasn't Google Maps that was driving the car. When did we become servants of the smartphone rather than its master? The consequence, I'm sorry, I don't know the specific details, but if I'm driving down the road and I'm following Google Maps, I'm pretty sure there were signs out there that said, bridge closed, or something to that effect. I'm sure at some point along the way, I would look and say, hey, there's no bridge out there. Maybe I should stop. But we've become so dependent and attached to our phones that even when they give us bad directions, we follow them when the the evidence of their failure is right in front of us. Now, listen, I feel bad for this family. To lose a husband and a father is devastating. I, I, I don't know the details. I wasn't there. But the very idea that the application that the father was using is responsible. The creator of the application is responsible here. I'm sorry it was the father. And I'm sorry to have to say that, but if I don't tell you the truth, if I don't care for you enough to tell you the truth, we perpetuate these wishes 
that it's somebody else's fault. It couldn't be the it couldn't be the father's fault. It couldn't be that he was uh, not driving well, that he was driving recklessly. It, it couldn't be that he was distracted. It had to be the fact that well, the GPS should have known better. The software on my app on my phone should have known better. That will come. That's what comes from dependency on technology. When we stop thinking, and we let the machines think for us. Because those machines, they're made by human beings. Those human beings are flawed. That means the machines and the applications are flawed. And if we stop looking around at our reality, because, like I said, I love these apps. I don't use Google Maps. I use Apple Maps because I hate Google. I only like Apple a little bit more than Google, not very much. But they're helpful. They get me places. I know when I have to leave to get to someplace new because the, the app tells me. But I don't follow the, the app religiously just because it says so. We have to be responsible for our actions. Because if not, what happens if one day Google Maps tells you to drive off a collapsed bridge, not because of a mistake in the app, but because the app has been told to, to tell you a lie for some other reason. Again, I feel sorry for this family. I feel sorry for the, for the, for the wife. I feel sorry for the, the children. But if you're telling me that you are so dependent on the app that you will follow it to your doom, all because of the wish of an easier life, like I said, these, these apps are wonderful. They make my life so much easier. But I don't wishfully think that it's always going to be perfect. I have to take responsibility for my own life. And that's the problem with wishes. It, it's not that wishes are evil. It's, it's that if you don't consider the consequences of those wishes, they can bite you in the backside. Whether that be, uh, uh, you know, your loss of opportunity, the discrimination against you because of your wish that other people would have a better life. That your desire for clean air and, and safe streets leads you to make decisions that destroy the environment and lead to more crime on the streets. Whether your decisions, your desire to just have everybody have a... a, a, a a nice place to live and enough food and all that without considering the costs. Those wishes have consequences. Now we can do one of two things. We can simply say, well, our bed's made. There's nothing we can do about it. And I see a lot of that attitude on the nets. I do. But I look at it this way. When reality smacks you in the face, you can either keep walking to get smacked in the face more, or you can say, maybe I need to turn. Maybe there's a better way. See, the thing about wishes, everybody has them. The question is, do we learn from the reality? Well, let's face it. How many of us wish to be police officers or firemen or astronauts or fighter pilots when we were young? And then one day we realized that's never going to happen. They're never going to shoehorn me into an F-18. It, it ain't happening. 
Not because I wouldn't want to go. Physically, I doubt I, I would fit. But if we continue to pretend that our wish is reality in the face of all the evidence to the contrary, well, then, ladies and gentlemen, we suffer those consequences. And those consequences are painful. And those consequences aren't just ours alone. There are neighbors, there are families, there are succeeding generations. Our children and our grandchildren will suffer the consequences of our bad wishes. Now, I hope you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study. We're on every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you cannot listen, then that's fine. All the shows go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can find them in your favorite podcast app or at the website at americaoutloud.news. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show, rate the show, leave me reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But do me a favor, share that information. If you want to live free, if you want to enjoy the blessings of liberty, then we must share this information so that both we and others can enjoy the blessings of liberty. Liberty.